Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I am the gas bag, Kerwin Ray, who will be doing as little talking as possible and asking some really smart questions. And in this episode, we actually get really emotional with Giorgio and Aaron from Fit as Fuck Gym in Brisbane. Guys, this one is about overcoming grief. And just last year, Aaron's wife was tragically taken away from him while they were in the middle of the final stages of building their dream gym. This episode is for anyone who has ever experienced loss. Listen up, touch your heart, because it's about to touch yours. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to Unstoppable. We've got Giorgio Batston. Bastinos, close brother, close. Bastinos. And Aaron McAllister. Boys, thanks for coming in. Thank thanks you. For thanks for having, having us. us. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, you guys um, are known for having a gym called Fit as Fuck. Now, for those of you who are a little bit more PC correct, we call it Fit as FK Gym. So, for those of you who don't know the story of Fit as Fuck, like, mm. why don't you give us the background? Oh, let, let's just go back to the Fit as Fuck. The FK is yeah. actually functional kinetics. Is that right? If, fit, right, if, if you're asking, that's it. If you're asking, right. If it's grandma ringing up, asking for a gym membership. <laughs> yes, that's love, right. it's Fit that's as the functional PC version. Kinesthetic. Yeah. You guys have quite the story. So, you've got a uh, a pretty incredible gym in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it's interesting, and I think we'll just dive straight in because Aaron, um, you know, I got quite emotional when I was doing uh, when I was with the producers before we actually got together today. You've got a really interesting story, and you know, when, when I when we sat down to do this podcast, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people you know struggle with in life is is adversity. Yeah, uh, and everyone's got their story. You know, everyone's got, and I'm sure you know. I know Georgia, you've probably got your own story of adversity. We've probably had your own ups and downs, your own challenges. But um, Aaron, when I read your story of adversity, uh, it really inspired me, but it also touched me very deeply uh, in an incredible way because I understand like before you actually started the gym, um, you were actually looking, you were in the midst of fitting out the gym with your uh, wife? Yeah. So Yasmin was an uh, interior designer for Arkerfield in Brisbane and we were actually uh, putting the concepts together and whatnot for the gym. Um, we had the online business and that was, that was all going well, well but um, we just saw an opportunity in Brisbane and we, we, we had this dream of building this, this gym and the, the, the perfect place came up. So we just went away and uh, put some concepts together and then we're working it after hours on the weekends, just designing it, getting the look and the feel. So um, you're putting the gym together. Let's take a little bit of a back step here. Yeah. D- did you guys meet prior to opening the gym? I, okay, so let's go back. What You want to go way back. Okay, so... Fitters FK is uh, basically an online fitness brand yep. um, that we that we sell fitness guides and products all around the world. Yeah, right. So we've been together since. So we we met in two thousand and seven um, playing soccer together. Yep. Then and I actually started working for Aaron. So it was Fit as Fit Aaron. Yep. Um, we just did a couple of boot camps. Shout and- out to my dad who came up with that name. <laughs> Fit as Aaron. Fit as. No, okay, so I'm as. Yeah. So Aaron as. Yep. Fit, fit as. as. Oh, and fit I, as. Yeah, yeah, so right. I ran I ran a corporate health business. Um, did national programs, et cetera, and Georgia right. was one of my trainers. So, yeah, so then fast forward through to, what, 2014, I came on and I was like, Azar, let's, um, let's take this to the next level. Do you want it? If you don't want it, I'll buy it out. Um, this is in 2014. 2014, yeah, yeah and right. he's like, oh, bro, I'll stick at it. Um, and then he went into corporate health. I was teaching at the time. Um, and I was like, okay, let's take it to the next step. How can we take it to the next step? Fit as, you know, it was a bit, what, mundane, a bit boring. And, and we're like, we'll make no it. No offense, as. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, then we decided. with the hashtag, yeah. Yeah, started hashtag. With the hashtag fit yeah. As fuck. So we, yeah, actually, right. we actually ran an Instagram account called Fit as Health. Yep. Um, that grew to 2,000 followers in a year, like did nothing in, in, in the time that people were growing, you know, 100,000 followers in a year. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, we're doing all right. You know, we're doing a couple of local boot camps here and there. Then uh, I started dating my fiance at the moment um, who said, you know, 
maybe spice things up a little bit. Don't go so technical and don't go so informative. Um, change it up. So we started hashtagging FitAsFK and saw people like responding to that. Um, and then I was like, okay, let's make a new Instagram page called Fit as Fuck. And then within what, three months, we grew that to about 50,000. Wow. Um, killed it, yeah. Killed it, yeah. And it was just like inspirational, aspirational uh, content. And this is before you even opened the gym. No, yeah, this is way this before. This is way yeah. before. So this is three, two years before. So this is coming into 2015. Right. So we had this plan to build a, uh, a fitness guide. So we had on our, on our bio sign up now for the 28 day fitness. Hadn't fitted. even built it yet. Haven't built it. Yeah. Hadn't built it in 28 days. So Giorgio rings me one day. He's like, hey, has, you want to make some money? I'm like, yeah, fuck, let's, let's make some money. And he's like, yeah, 12,000 people have signed up for this guide. Like we better build it. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we turned the guide around in about three months. Yeah. And then just launched it. And, and I think the day before we launched it, I had a look. So we, we kept getting notifications from MailChimp. You know how mo uh, MailChimp's, uh, I guess, the billing system goes up with the with how many members you've got yeah, or how many uh, subscribers. subscribers. Yeah. So I kept getting these notifications. And back then I didn't even know what MailChimp was. I signed up to it, but I didn't really understand the system. Um, and I was like, bro, they're charging us all this money. He goes, man, log in and see what it is because it's coming out of a credit card. Everything was bootstrapped. So it was coming out of personal credit cards. Um, and I was like, all right, logged in. I was like, man. It's like 16,000 people that have pre-registered for this thing. We're going to kill it. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, we launched on April 2nd, 2015. And then on April 3rd, we repaid a $25,000 investment. Um, so within 24 hours, we paid the investment. And then our it just... Investment of our own money. Yeah, of yeah. our own money. Yeah, And then it just... Just paid back yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Check out. No, we didn't take a check out. We just kept reinvesting. <laughs> the, the, the checks aren't coming yet, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, they're, they're doing well. Um, and then every month it just kept going, getting bigger and bigger. And we spoke to a lot of people and they're like, you know, you've sort of got to try and diversify because this is going to come to an end. How many 28-day guides can you sell for $28? Uh, two, fast forward two years, we're still selling 28-day guides. Then we brought out an eight-week guide, um, which did really well. And then we saw that opportunity with the um, with the gym. Yeah, so the gym was kind of like a this this method that we developed through the guides and whatnot. We're like, okay, well, we need a home for this and we need someone to shoot our, our, our videos, et cetera. And the gym came up and that's how the gym got mm. born, I guess. And so at this point, you, you just had an online business. Yeah. Online, you yep. were selling guides. You had the 28-day guide. You had the eight-week you had the eight week guide. Yeah. And how were you marketing this? Uh, through Instagram. Just through Instagram? Through Instagram, yeah. So, so this is prepaid ads. Yeah, way yeah. prepaid. So everything was organic. So influencer marketing. Don't so, you love the old days of organic? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Back in the olden days. So different. And even, oh, yeah. So you're doing influencer marketing? Influencer marketing. So, so tell me a little bit about your influencer strategy. So uh, my partner and, and Yazzie, they jumped on it to start off with. So they were just promoting the crap out of it. So yeah. they were saying, um, you know, day four, these are the results. Day five, these are the results. Day 10, these are the results. Were you at this point your own little influencer? No, definitely no? not. It was Yaz? No, I didn't even have Instagram back then. Oh, right. <laughs> so you were just jumping on the fittest fuck page yeah, and, exactly. and promoting it. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, so they just started, you know, influence marketing and, um, or not influence marketing because they're, they're our partners. Uh, and everybody else was just like, you know, gravitating to it and going, wow, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. Um, and the page just kept growing. More people were what coming. What do you think was that magic dust? Now, I know, you know, it's hard to compare the organic days now because it's obviously a little bit more difficult on Instagram, Facebook and everything mm -hmm. else. But what do you think was the part of the magic that was making it so appealing? Do you think it was the, the catchy hashtag, the fit as fuck? $28, 28 days. I think it was pretty price orientated. I think people were getting good results out of it. 28 yep. days wasn't like it. There weren't many guide 
God, that out 28 days of This that is 2014, stage. right? Yeah, there wasn't many out. They're all like a little bit longer term, eight-week guide, and we're like $28, 28 days. 28-minute um, workouts. Yeah, 28-minute workouts, short, sharp, get the results real quickly, pretty intensive. Yeah. Um, and girls were, you know, they're, they're getting the results, and it was showing. So people were like, yeah, I'll jump on that. So you were focusing specifically on the female demo? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. All female. And we're still very, very, we're 90% female. Got female. it. Yeah. Got it. I think the, the biggest difference for us was the people that taught us how to, um, I guess, advertise on Instagram and yep. use the platform really well. And then we had the knowledge in the exercise sense. Yep. So we came on and created this system that worked rather than being an influencer or being, you know, some girl that comes on and goes, cool, I've gotten fit. I, I don't really have personal training background, but I'm going to, you know, preach this to the, to, to the world. Whereas we had that personal training background and we had been in the industry for 15, 20 years and we just came out. We know a, how to deliver a solid, fitness. Yeah. Like we know how. Yep. Like I know how to look at you and get you fit. Yeah, right. Right, because I don't know. Sold. I've, I've tra- <laughs> I, yeah, I've trained that many people over yep. my life. I, you can walk in, I'm like, you need this, this, this. Yeah, right. Just a, 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 another sense, yep. you know what I mean? And the, it's not what you know, it's how you deliver it. So if you can deliver in a clear, concise pattern that people are feeling that they're achieving, then you're winning. You know, so if you read this guide, it's like bang, 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 I'm achieving. You yeah, know? right. So, and so it was, it, you, it, was, it was a product that was giving people quick results. Quick, quick results, results, yeah. So yeah. Which, in, who doesn't love quick results, yeah, exactly. especially in the fitness space, exactly. right? Exactly. It's got to be easy too. So it seems counterintuitive at this point for you guys to go, well, look, we've got a successful online business. Let's open a bricks and mortar. Like, <sighs> Mate, that's all me. I was like, I don't want to open a gym. I just want to travel the world and be online. That's cool. <laughs> Laptop you know, lifestyle, yeah, all that's that jazz. It, that's yeah. it. But the bricks and mortar, it made sense, you know. Right. Uh, it's a lot of time and energy in the gym, and I'm so grateful we did it. So whereabouts in Brisbane is the gym located now? Kangaroo Point. Kangaroo Point. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And so walk me through the progression of, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to open a fucking bricks and mortar business. Yeah. You started looking at real estate. How did it go? What so happened? So this gym that Giorgio actually used to work out of came up for grabs. The price was right. Um, the location was correct. Um, the space was beautiful, so and we 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 had a good concept, so we went ahead. Was it distress sale? Pardon, distress sale? Did no. you buy the 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 gym in, in distress? Or? No, no, no. It was that um, shut they, down? It had shut down, right? Because they yeah they'd gone belly up. Okay, but they didn't have a permit as well, so we signed the intentional lease and no permit. So then we um, went through sixteen we, months. Yeah, we went through DA. The DA was pretty tough. So and you I, bought the building. No, 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 no. no. We, well, we had to, as a tenant, you have to apply for. Permit. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So we did that. Now, in amongst all that, like we're probably uh, two months out from that, Yazzie passed before we, and I was still fighting the DA and burying my wife. Wow. You know what I mean? And you were overseas. <laughs> I was in Greece. Yeah, right. He was in Greece. So. So, mate, walk me through, like, because, you know, you, you, you mentioned it almost like it was, you know, um, Oh yes, he passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it. I and I'll, we'll get into it. But for me, you know, I've, not that I'm not going to get into it today with you, but I've spent a good year and a half grieving. Yeah, you know, hard grieving. Yeah. I've been in the Himalayas. I didn't ashram. I've done so. For me now, I'm like, okay, I'm still grieving, like a hundred percent. But I don't. I don't identify myself with that grief. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I when it comes off as nonchalant to you, it's not that I don't care about it. Not at all. Yeah, that was it, not my intent. It was almost like, uh, you know, the, it's the impact of these moments yeah. that sometimes yeah. are so profound that they create change. And oh, I think, massive, massive. Yeah. My life's, I'm 100% different. Yeah. So everything about me is different. I think differently. I view the world differently. I see people differently. I see my life bif- differently. I see death differently. I see 
you know, I see everything 100% differently. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of very powerful biographies from some, you know, incredibly great entrepreneurs. And it's interesting when you hear people talk about the, the, the top three things that really fundamentally affect the trajectory of people's lives. You know, it's meeting someone. You yeah. know, they meet that person and that person becomes that that fire, that light that inspires them, you know, to go above and beyond and, and break through the limits. You know, it's the birth of a child. You know, a new child comes yeah. in and there's this greater sense of responsibility because all of a sudden you feel like there's a purpose greater than yourself. And the third one, which is in some cases the most powerful one, is, is tasting mortality. Yeah. You know, either through a near-death experience or the loss of a loved one. So it sounds to me like it's imp- impacted you. How long ago was it? The, the, uh, a year and a, a bit over a year and a half. So, June, so it's still quite fresh. Yeah, June 2014. And uh, 2018. Are you right June, to talk about it yeah, still? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So where were you when you found out? Okay. So I got called to um, – I went for a meeting early that day. So it was like 7A. Uh, I called – and Yazid would always leave the house before me. So it actually happened 200 meters from home. So – I went to work early and I was working on some MailChimp stuff um, with, with, the, with, the, with the guy that was pretty good at it. So then I got a call and that's th- this part is probably the most traumatic part because when you get a phone call and um, they, 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 they give you them words, they, didn't get, they, they just told me that yeah, my wife had been in an accident and the, the, guy's phone, the guy's voice was shaky on the phone, you know. So I was just like, man. Was it tell a, f- a friend or? It was a co- cop. Yeah, right. You know, he's like a, a police officer. And he was like, um, you know, it's serious. You should get to the hospital. And I'm like, fuck, no. I'm just like, fuck, just mm-hmm. let her be alive. Just let her be alive. I'm just driving there just going, please, God, just let her be alive. Just let any bit of life be left in. And looking back at it now, I knew, you know, for some yeah. reason I, I, I knew. I was just like when I look back at it, I knew her soul had gone. I knew and I. I ran up the hill and, um, fuck, I just parked my car anywhere. I sprinted up to emergency and I ran in the back way where the ambulance come up. I walked in looking at the ambulance officers and they knew who I was because she was a young girl and I'm like, what the fuck, where is she, where is she, where is she? And everyone's just looking at me and I fucking knew they put you in a room, walk in, like just there's four or five people there, counsellors just telling you, nah, and you're just going, fuck, like... That's my, that's my, that's my soul. Yeah. How, how, how do you? Totally, totally my soul, mate. Okay, totally. Because you guys are engaged at this point, right? We're married. You're married. married. And everyone knew. If you see the stories, you can tell. Everyone knew that this love that was like no other. It was just this pure 100% love that no one else you know, it was like... Oh, it was very man. real. It was real, man. Like, fully real. It was ridiculous. So, best mate. 100%. I can only imagine that, like, it must... The, the gravity or something like that must have been pretty intense. Well, it's weird because, like... Like, at first, you, like, convince yourself that this isn't real. No, you're in, like, this limbo state. You're, like, this... every Like, your head's just... You're in this limbo and, like... Everyone's like, no, she'll be all right. Deep down, you know, and that she's not. And the doctor's telling you that she's not, but not in that many words. And you're working mm-hmm. it out. And you're like, oh, and she's clinically brain dead, but we had to keep her alive because oh, she, right. was a, she was a organ, uh, organ donor. Organ donor, mm-hmm. right. So then the dad, the mum, they wouldn't, they wouldn't believe it. I, I got it. <clears throat> anyway, then they take her upstairs into uh, intensive, uh, intensive care. They're basically keeping her alive. And it takes the doctor about three or four times to, to confirm that it's not happening because you're not listening. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're hearing, but you're not listening. And um, then they told me like, yeah, she's gone. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, okay, I want to go lie next to her. And I just moved her over so I can just lie next to her and be with her. And then I went and lay next to her and I was lying on the bed and I was just looking at her head was getting bigger because it was a head injury, you know. Her whole body was fine. Everything was fine. Basically two cars collided. She was walking along the side of the road, hit her. She fell and hit her head and that was it. When they later on I felt, they, they told me they got there and her eyes were already gone, like she was gone. Yeah, right. she, she died on that that spot, right? Um, and then I'm lying next to her in the bed and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Like I'm lying next to a vessel. This isn't Yazzie. Her soul's gone. Like this, this isn't. So I lay there for about two minutes and then I just said, I went out to everyone, I pulled her out. I was real, you were there, I was real composed. I don't know. I was like, listen, Yazzie's passed, you know. We got to hang out here till, till we find the donors. I don't want everyone seeing her, how she's getting, her head's getting bigger. So just do yourselves a favour, just go say your goodbyes, you know, and that's it, you know. And then we just hung out and waited. And then even, you know, I, even when I went back into when they finally do this, because you've got to switch the switch at night, and it's, you know, it's, it's not nice, but I was just hugging her feet, kissing her hands. Touching her skin. But I didn't want to see her face, you know, like it wasn't Yazzie. So, yeah. So what happened from there for you, mate? Like at at any point did you question like what you were going to do next, like with your life? Like, Oh, well, it's all good. What do you think about when you lose your soul, mate? Like what? Well, I'm I'm very blessed that I've, uh, you know, and I'll tell you how I came to this, but I'm very blessed that I've got. A very strong mindset, very positive mindset. Because you're a fighter. Yeah, I've been blessed with that my yeah. whole life. You know, no matter what, I can always keep going forward. And resilient. You know, I'm very resilient. So, but the funniest thing was when I got out of the hospital, I'm like in the car with my mum and dad driving to their house. And I'm just like, fuck, what now? Like, what do I do? This is my whole life, my whole dream, everything I've. Everything, every goal that I've ever had had her in it and that's gone. I'm like, what the fuck now, you know? Anyway, <clears throat> went to bed, got up in the morning, sleeping tablet and then got up in the morning. And it's like actually my mind was, I'm so grateful I got that mind because I was talking myself into things in the morning. It's like, that'll be all right, Aaron. You'll be able to do this. You'll do this. You'll do this. You can do this. It just, I, I wasn't, it was just one of their minds that did that. I'd so it's almost like you're on autopilot. Autopilot. You, but you're autopilot. Always trying to see positives. I'm always trying to see positives. Which is your autopilot. Yeah. And man, like, I'm and not so everyone's. As, yeah, well, that's interesting because not everyone's as lucky to have that kind yeah. of an autopilot, you know. And you know, I think that's one of the things that comes with the discipline of the pursuit of training, you know, yeah. especially fight sports, you know. And, and any, form of, any, any form of physical discipline, it requires the ability to develop this mindset where you just keep pushing through. Well, you, it's funny when you fight, you look for pain. Because pain's growth. You know that's where the growth is. You know, like I, we had a we had a I just trained with world champs, Australian champs, world champs. We just trained at two o'clock. I trained two to four every day for four years, and we'd run. And when we'd found the pain, and I'd be like, "Boys, this is when the like we had a little joke, find the pain." Because when your pain's there, that's the and I got conditioned to find pain. You know, and 
I'm always been a guy for through training, whatever, whatever I've done. I'm always about short-term pain for long-term gain, always. I'm never going to put off pain if something hurts and you can stick a needle in me and drill it out of me, do it because I'm going to be better later on, right? So it's almost like your your entire upbringing was preparing you for this moment. Exactly. So this is how, and this is how I really came to that. So I met my mum and dad's and and I'd just get out and I, everyone would come around. I had like 300 people through the door, like just crazy people coming, coming, coming. And then it touched a lot of the community, the the, the death um, yes, he's passing just because of the love story, uh, where who she was, who we were, etc. The so I, I used to get out <clears throat> and then pretend everything was like talk myself into everything being okay, and then I come and sit on the couch and everyone be talking, and then just go into this silence, and then this anguish would just come up like this, <laughs> like yell, crazy yell. And like a howling. Yeah, like bad. Mum and dad had to go tell the neighbors, like, listen, this is what's going on because I thought there's this crazy guy in the house. Anyway, I just ended up, I had my shorts on. I was just walking the streets, just kept walking. And I was just like, man, all of a sudden, I was like, you've got to go back to the site. And it was, see, it's 200 meters from my home and about 10 minute walk from my mum's. So I was like, I got some flowers and I just started walking to the site just a pair of shorts on, no shoes. And mum's like, you can't go. I go, I'm going to the site. Mum's like, you can't go to the site. I said, I'm going. And they're like, we're coming with us. I'm going alone. That's it. Anyway, I just start walking. I was bawling. And on the way to the site, I remember I was walking. I was walking up a hill and I was like, I was thinking to myself, fuck, you know what? Someone was protecting me. Someone took me. Someone took me to work early that day. I would have driven past. Someone took me to work early, right? And then I kept walking and I'm like, okay. I walked down the hill. Someone stopped me on the side of the road. It's like, oh, we heard what happened, blah, blah, blah. Kept walking down the hill. I get to the site and I look at it and I'm like, man, there was no way this was a mistake. I was like, this is always going to happen. And I always had a some irrational Fear for Yazzie's safety, irrational. Not just because I loved it, but just an irrational. I thought, why am I worried about that? So deep down, I actually knew. I actually, I actually knew. So then I thought to myself, okay, well, it wasn't a mistake. As he was always leaving, God just took her, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, well, fuck, why me? And then I thought, fuck, who else? Who else has got enough to get through this? Who can, who can emotionally navigate themselves through this better than me? Who's got a better network? Who's got more going for it? Who's been a fighter? Who's gone through it? And I, was, I came back to the house. Mum just looked at me and she's like, you're different. And I was like, acceptance, 100%. That was in three days, four days. I accepted it. I was just like, I didn't say, why me? I said, that's, that's what had to happen. And I've accepted it. And that's, that's a massive part of the healing, massive part. Do you feel that gave you a level of closure or it, it was complete Man, closure? I didn't, like whoever hit her, I didn't go to any of the court. I didn't do anything. I'm into healing. I'm not into negative energy. Yeah, right. I'm just into healing. I'm just, I'm just whatever needs to be happening for me to heal, that's what it's about. And so what did you do to, from there to, because I'm going to assume like that would have been an enormous weight lifted off your shoulders and that would have been like. Wasn't, an, like it wasn't when I look back now, yeah, yeah. but when you're in it, grief's a, man, grief's like. Nothing. It's else. like the ocean, it comes in waves, right? Man, but like sometimes like I wanted to honestly wanted to end it for a week. I so mean, you did think about it? Oh bro. 
every day. Yeah, your whole life. Like for a week I felt like I had someone on my back walking on my back. And I picked myself up and I just went to the gym. Every day I just got up, like tired, right, and started getting meditation. So meditate 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. Had you meditated prior to this? A little bit. Right. You know, I was but this at, threw you in? Threw me deep, you know. So my meditation was just a survival mechanism back then. So then I was just in the morning, I'd meditate, get me through the day, get home, meditate. No TV, no nothing, just meditate, work, meditate, work. Did that for like... <laughs> Yeah, my brother. <laughs> uh, built, um, so my brother came on board, built the gym together with my brother. So then we just get up every day and just work. <laughs> that's kept me going through that through that initial stage. So it sounds to me like you've got to done a lot of healing. Yeah. But I'm I'm curious to know from you, like you you seem to be one of these people that you like to take lessons. Yeah. And if someone was listening to this right now <clears throat> and going through their own grief, like what's some practical advice that you'd give them? Where do I start? <laughs> yeah, good question, right? Man, I read, research, read and research, see what other people have done, see what they've gone through. Take from it what you can. Look for uh, as uh, and high, a higher meaning. You know, I, I don't want it to sound cliche, but too often people get caught caught in this world where you're just looking at what's coming out of your eyes. There's a lot more. You know, once you discover that, everything's easy. So it seems to me one of the things that you also are, are very good at, but this is part of the, your upbringing, your conditioning, is you are very conscious of your thoughts. Mm. And you were very conscious of that autopilot and maintaining the, the 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 resilient thoughts that are required. Yeah. And it also sounds like to me that you were very um, conscious of the importance of the body's impact on your thoughts. You know, you were meditating every day, training, training every single day, not letting day. it get a, get get a grip of me. Training, meditating, and discipline's a massive thing. People say, "Oh, you heal," but guess what? I fucking worked. Yeah. I fucking worked. Well, that's the thing. Like, and I think this is one of the challenges. I think that sometimes, you know, people who are going through some kind of grief, either through loss or through some form of trauma, is without discipline, the healing process takes longer. You got to work. I meditate, and I, I I just went traveling, and I fell out of meditation. I got back. It's a bitch, isn't it? Fuck, man. Yeah. My world was. I'm. See, the, when you meditate, you 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 function up here. Yeah. Right. And when you don't, you function down here. And when I function down here, here because of what I've gone through, it's fucking no good. Yeah, right. But if I function up here, Giorgio even says to me, he's like, you're actually more of a pleasure to be around now. I've gotten to some stage where it's fucking crazy that I've thought to myself, I'm actually sometimes grateful what happened. I was just about to say that. So one of the big things, if someone was to say, hey, how did Aaron get through it? He looked at it like he wasn't like, why me? Why Yazzie? He was like, I'm, I'm so lucky that I actually got to meet Yazzie. I'm so lucky that I got to spend the three years with her. I'm so lucky that I got to marry, you know, the person that five means five, five years. You got the numbers. Three years. You're the numbers. <laughs> I thought wow. he was your numbers guy. What You're the, the fuck? Wow. <laughs> you might want to check your bass statement. <laughs> 
um, yeah, he was just always so grateful. And, and when he was going through all these hurt, he was always saying, you know, I'm so grateful. I'm so lucky that I got to meet Yazzie. I'm so lucky that I got to, to learn off her. I'm so lucky that I got to spend time with her. You know, that seems to me that's something that's also very practical as well. Because I think sometimes when we're experiencing grief or we're experiencing some form of trauma, we don't experience gratitude. We experience, you know, self-pity. Mm. You know, and self-pity is one of those things that can drive you into the yeah, ground and drive it. you into depression and all sorts of dark places. But it's interesting that the biochemistry of gratitude is actually quite profound. Mm. You know, when you consider, you know, uh, when we experience stress, you know, whether through trauma or loss, you know, the body releases a whole range of different hormones. One of them is cortisol. And when we're in, you know, deep levels of depression or, or experiencing trauma, you know, we've got cortisol and adrenaline running through our brains and cortisol makes us stupid. And as a result, we don't make great decisions. Yeah. But when we can, and, you know, I, I often say this, hindsight's a beautiful thing, but unfortunately for some people it takes too long to kick in. Yeah. But it seems to me like it was a very conscious, almost deliberate process of getting yourself to the point where you could see the hindsight. Yeah in a very short period of time that in some cases, because if you look at most people who if they were to lose their um, soulmate or someone that they love, <clears throat> you can only imagine for some people it take years, in yeah. some cases decades, in some cases people just don't heal. Mm. But you were able to heal so quickly. And do you think gratitude played a, a big role in that? I think gratitude helps you out day to day. Yeah. You know, like everything you do, like, at the end of my meditation, I always just go to gratitude and that just puts you in a mood when you're finished that you're grateful for everything. Like I walk into the gym bouncing. Yeah, I'm right. bouncing, eh? Like the fuck? I'm like, how are you? <laughs> and that's not fake. Yeah. I fucking love seeing you. I'm like, hey, bro, how are you? What's up? Like I'm loving the, what you're giving me. I'm, you know, I'm a very – I'm all about the energy exchange now. Like, yeah. And I've just – I, it's crazy. I felt it when we walked in, in fact, like the moment I met you guys, but you both have great energy, but you just have this little beam Man. around you, this aura around I didn't around even you. meditate this morning, bro. <laughs> should have let me meditate. I was up too early. No, I did on the plane. He's like, what are you doing? I've got my uh, Om Shaka. Best place to meditate is on no, the plane. I had my I Om Shaka's going on. I was like, man. He's like, what are you doing? I go meditating. I go, I'm up in the clouds. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm curious to know if this experience is because everyone's got a baseline of of the things that throw them off. You know, some yeah. people get thrown off because their fucking coffees, their barista makes their coffee a little bit cold. You know, and some people get thrown off because you know they you know they don't get a car park close to to work. Uh, and one of the things that I find is our experiences. You know, they either lower our baseline or they set our baseline. And so I'm curious to know from you, has this experience really reconditioned you in a way now where you look at life and, you know, things that would perhaps disappoint you or disappoint other people in a different way? Yeah, I, I guess my question is, is it really is it a lot harder now to throw you than it was before? Yeah, um, I, I, I guess, yeah, I don't, get, I don't get really upset about stuff. And Stephen, stuff that I sh should probably get a little bit more upset of, I believe in... I know where I'm going and I know what's going to happen. So if it takes a little bit longer, it takes a little bit longer. And how have you, have you taken any of this and applied it to business? I don't think so. Like the only way I've applied it because I've kind of, the gym was my project. Yeah. So Georgia look after the online. It's like Aaron, go build the gym, build yep. the members up, et cetera. So man, I, I like built that gym. I pretty much signed 350 members myself. Before, before the doors even opened up. Yep. Yeah, up, right. Up on the phone. Yeah, just calling, lock them in, key tags, like, fuck. Like, 
I went, and then I went to India. I remember going to India and I was like, uh, I hung out, uh, I've got a good good friend of mine, Guy Bennett, he's a kinesiologist and he used to treat me once a week and he's like, oh, there's this guru in India, we should go see him and I've been seeing him for 25 years so I went over to India to see this guru in the Himalayas. Anyway, when I left the door, after that I left the door and I left that behind me, I was just like, fuck, I just got through that. How did I just get through that? It was like, how did I just get through that? Yeah, right. Like, wow. And I didn't realise when I was in it what I was doing, but when I got out, I was like, holy, how did I get through that? You know? It was, yeah. cra- it was crazy. I was just like. Georgie, I'm curious because you guys sound like you're thick as thieves. You're pretty close, right? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think every partnership has its challenges, right? The, the yeah, arguments, are, the arguments are daily. Brothers. For real? Yeah. No, no, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. We, we act like brothers. brothers. We act like brothers. Yeah. 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 So every now and then you have a punch up out oh, the back. Easy. It's, yeah. <laughs> Morning lunch. <laughs> On the phone. And dinner. he's very different. So, but we yeah. complement each other. And I think that's important in any partnership. But, but I'm curious to know from you, Giorgio, like from the outside looking in, like clearly, you know, Aaron's come a, a long way. He's, he's dealt with an, an enormous amount. But what are some of the things that you've seen him apply that have enabled him to overcome such level? And look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons I was really excited about this podcast is I think, you know, business in its essence is about learning how to overcome adversity on a daily basis. And I think one of the reasons so many business owners fail is because they're not conditioned to deal with adversity. They're not conditioned to deal with stress. And I think the more resilience we become by dealing with, you know, obstacles and the more we do the more we do it very consciously, the greater level of potential we're able to express because things don't hold us back. Like they become... Well, my biggest one on that is pain causes growth. Yeah. If you don't have pain, you don't have growth. That's clear. Like, and that's massive. Like when you cut yourself, you get a scar, but you build up. Yeah. Like when you do weights, you break a muscle down, but it yeah. builds up. When you break a bone, it becomes stronger. Exactly. So you know, in, in China, they actually revere like uh, artifacts when they break them, they they repair them with gold. Yeah. So I think that which is broken has more beauty. Exactly. Um, but I'm curious, Georgia, and I know you've probably got your own story here, and I'm sorry we seem to be focusing a, a lot on Aaron, but I really am passionate about this whole process of overcoming adversity because I honestly think if we can equip more people with the skill to overcome adversity, and again, this isn't just about business, this is about life, you know, and there's an old saying, I think it was Jim Rowan, it says, don't wish life were easier, wish you were better. And to me, you know, one of the things I'm very much passionate about is, is teaching people how to, to, develop, to condition themselves to deal with stuff so that they can perform at a higher level. But Aaron, I've got a clear insight into your psychology and how you've gone through it. But Georgia, I'm curious from someone who's on the outside looking in, like what are some of the things you've seen Aaron actually do, either consciously or unconsciously, that has enabled him to perform. Because what we're talking about here is a guy who's lost his soulmate, you know, just before he's opening a gym, okay? And not only did he open the gym, he fucking, you know, he with support crushed it on your own with support, but you fucking got on the phones, you did everything that was required. And I'm curious to know from someone look outside looking in going, fuck, these are the things that I'm seeing that I could perhaps adopt or I could teach to my kids or people that I know. I guess the, the biggest thing is Aaron didn't want to sit and mellow in pain. He wanted to move forward. So he didn't tread water. He was like, fuck, I'm not treading water. I'm not going to do, I'm not just going to sit here and absorb it. Oh, don't get me wrong. There were a couple of days where he did. He was like, today, you know, I'm a bit off today. I'm just going to sit down and I'm, and I'm just going to be me. Um, but then, you know, by the afternoon or the next morning, even he'd be just going, you know, full pelt ahead and Hey, I want to swim to the other side and I want to stand up on the podium and I want to, I want to feel this sense of accomplishment and success and, and my life isn't over. Yeah, part of me is gone, but my life isn't over and I still want to live. I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and, and not live. So I guess that's what I took out a lot of it. 
Um, and just to hit on that, because what's interesting about that, and because when a lot of people lose someone like that, they can get into depression, and that's when the brain chemistry starts to mm. fall out of balance. But by the sheer fact that you were moving on a daily yeah. basis, you were literally, yeah. you know, you're, Grinding, yeah. you were yeah. literally taking your own antidepressants through yeah. the form of exercise and increasing, your, you know, the, the balancing your brain chemistry and increasing dopamine production just by being active. Massively. What were you going to say, pal? I was going to say um, that pain, like, don't, like when you get that pain, don't try to rush through it. Like yeah. you've got to go through it. You can't you can't hide from it and you can't speed through it. You've just got to take the measures that you know. Like when it's time to hurt, you've got to hurt. Mm. You know, you, you, when it's time to feel pain, you've got to feel pain. You can't just sit above it the whole time. And sometimes I'm grateful when I hurt because I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm hurt, but guess what? In another couple of hours, I'm going to be good. Be good. You know, like we're, better even. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to sit there and own that pain. and But don't let it identify you. Like too many people make that pain or whatever happens to them, identify them and they sit in it and they're like, hey, I'm a widow, right? It becomes their story. Nah, Look, my... you know, I would have been successful but two weeks before I opened my gym, I lost my soulmate and yeah, this yeah. wasn't my path in this lifetime. And that kind of makes sense to how I acted at the start a little bit, you know what I yeah. mean? Like when you said it was a little bit like, yeah, that, that happened, you know, yep. but like I, I'm not… I, I'm you don't want to identify as that. Mm. I'm conscious not to let that identify me. It's part yeah. of me that built me it. but there's a much bigger picture to it. me, you know? Yeah. I, I think you had a real big desire for people not to feel sorry for you. You didn't want people to feel sorry for you. They wanted to, you know, hey, Aaron, are you all right and everything? But they didn't want to say, oh, poor Aaron or poor this or poor that. It's really weird. It's kind of opened the doors up and even the, not so much these days, but when I was actually going through it, I got drawn. A lot of people came in after I was I was kind of a little bit back up on my feet and I, I would just, people would just call me and it was weird. As soon as they called me, I knew what they wanted. I didn't know what was up. And I'd be like, man, they're, they're going through this, this, this. And I even said, I, I'd even, the words would be in my head before they even spoke. I'm like, you need to do it. Like, and then people are like, I need to come see you. Sit down. I go, so you weren't just working on people's bodies. You were starting to work on people's minds and their trauma. Mm. It was like that. Like yeah. I was getting drawn to me, you know. Like it was my purpose that that's what I would be doing, you know. And I took that, I took that with pride. I was like, man, if I can help someone, yeah. come on in. Because You've heard what? about the wounded healer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> That's what that's what it was, and I felt that helped me as well. Yeah, you know, because I was giving love, joy, mm. energy. So, how much of what you do now is 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 attributed to to legacy for Yaz? Um, with the big mural, you've seen the mural. Oh my god, that's, that's what nearly broke me. That's like when crazy, I looked at this man. morning. So the mural just just made it. Um, I guess now, well, that's another big one. So Yaz's brother, the day this is crazy. The night before she passed, her brother Kat caught up with her and Yazzie. Uh, we all caught up for dinner. It was mainly them. At all. I was at the gym and I, I, jumped, I, 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 um, I jumped in for, for a feed. Anyway, he just made the decision that night that he was going to go build, uh, start building apps or learning how to build apps. So then um, because he's working in the jails as a prison guard and he's a very intelligent guy, right, extremely intelligent, and he just didn't push himself. So Yazzie's like, man, you got to go do it. And I'm like, you got to go do it. Anyway, a year and a half later, he's building our app. We're just better lawyer. He's full-time with us. So Yazzie's brother works for us full-time building our app. It's crazy. Yeah. What's, so, the, what's, can, uh, what's the app called? Is there... Well, it's the guides are going online. Yeah, right. So it's fit as FK, fit as fuck. And uh, yeah, so this app's going to be pretty heavy hitting. So is it fair to say that there's a fair bit of legacy in, in Yazzie's memory that, that, that is driving some of the concepts and the growth? Yeah, for sure. So if, if you have a look at the guides now and all 
our creative, it's still a fair bit of it is, is Yazzie. So we haven't taken any Yazzie out of yeah, anything, right. you know. So our ads are sometimes still Yazzie. Um, she was like the face. She's yeah. the face of Fit as, fit as Fuck. So she's, she's in the guide. She's doing the programs. Like. My assumption with, with that presence that you would attract a very specific type of member. Now, I'm going to go, I'm purely just freeballing here. Yeah. Because most gyms attract, you know, typically, typically, you know, uh, a cross between either very insecure or someone incredibly egotistical. Yeah. You know, I think it's 10% of people last after the first month. Everyone else after that bails out. My assumption would be because of the amount of legacy and the way that this gym was launched, that you would be attracting a, a, a higher conscious individual. Am I off base here? I, I, I don't think they're um, inherent. I don't think they know they're conscious. Yeah. If you got what but I mean. You are, look, you've they, been in the, the fitness space for a while. Are you attracting a different type of client in this yes, business than you and, had? And, 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 I think definitely we are. Like most gyms, you said, you know, most people, they, they get a membership and then they drop off after a, what is it, 10%, um, yeah, keep sure. their membership after a month. Most gyms operate between 10 and 20% if they're a good gym of active members per week, um, whereas we're operating between 60 and 70% of our active oh, members. So yeah, not the greatest for money-making, <laughs> yeah. but, you've you know. Because you got for classes, that class yeah. is a gym. Yeah, even the gym is a great for reputation. Too, but, mate, yeah. Very Scarcity good. breeds demand. Very mm. good. And is everyone, like, and do a lot of people know the story? Like a lot of people. A, lot of, a lot of people know the story. But can I say, I think it's more about the energy like yeah. when you walk in that gym, there's an energy. Yazzie's there. Yeah, there's an energy. There's either us, there's there's just an energy there. And I actually, I feel like it's a modern day church. I do. It is. Yeah, and right. Like I feel people come there for a little bit of joy in Preach. their life. Yeah. Like they come there, like they get joy, they get love, you know, they get fit, you know. We call ourselves the endorphin dealers. <laughs> Serotonin <laughs> dealers. Shout out to you, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... I guess where that comes from is we're not driven, especially in that gym. Online, you know, obviously we want to make money and, and we want to continue the growth of the business, but that gym's our home. Yeah. So we're not driven by like, okay, we need X amount of memberships. We got it to a stage where it was break it broke even within the first month. We're happy after that. And now everything else is a little bit of cream, but that's our home. That's, you know, and, and you can feel that as soon as you walk in, they're like, people don't think we just want their money. People the think, only thing hey, I miss when I'm away is that gym. Yeah, really? I travel a bit, so the only thing I miss is being at the gym and feeling love. Yeah, right. It's crazy. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, there's a as an old Buddhist saying from Buddha, he says, uh, "Teach them the illusion till they're ready for the truth." And you know, I find in my business, I attract a lot of people who think they want to make a lot of money. Yeah. <clears throat> but then I get them in a room for three days and they realize, "Fuck, I'm not here to make money." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a natural like they Great make purpose. money as a natural consequence, right? Yeah. But it's the, the it's the healing that is provided. It is, you know, it's the connection that's provided. It's the it's the clarity of purpose that when it is given to people that they finally realize, fuck, it's not about making money. It's about pursuing things that we love, you know, in some cases in a very commercial way. And if it's done well, you know, there's a natural consequence where a shit ton of money starts yeah. coming in. Are you finding that that's a similar chorus in, in in your song, like in the in the gym? Like you seem to attract people that come I to the gym because the gym think- and the, all, all of the businesses that we run, like everything that we run, has got to be done with integrity. Like um, it has to be something that is, is correct. Matches our like, values, and it has to add value. Yeah. Like value is the thing. Like money's not. Like it's. I don't. Want, I'd rather be. I'd rather be poor and service. And have value. Well, I hate to be poor, but you know what I mean. But I don't want to be 
a rip-off merchant. Yeah. I don't want to just give people stuff that I know is not working. Yeah. I want to give stuff that I know 100% works and it truly and if they follow it and they and they listen, they'll get the results and making it easy for them to do that, making it easier to grasp. How can I make this information easier, which you would do a hell of a lot of, right? How can I make this information easily to grasp? Yep. How can I make you implement this in your life so you don't have to have a decision whether you want to do it or not because it's already there. You know, well, like, to me, commercialization is a rich is is a religion. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, like, I actually think money is one of the most spiritual substances on the planet. Because when you think about spirituality, when yeah. you think about that energy at the highest level, it's about the, it's a creative, it's a higher power. Yeah, and that higher power is an incredibly powerful creative force. It has the ability to manifest anything. Yeah, and when you think about what a you know what a what a business can do. And when you think about what poverty can do, like there's no amount of poverty that we can acquire that'll help us change the world. Yeah. When you look at even someone like Mother Teresa, who I know has a mixed reputation when you dig a little bit deeper, yeah. but one of the greatest skills that she had was the ability to raise capital. She was incredibly good at getting money off people or getting time or you know them donating their time yeah. that she could then invest into you know into you know into activities where she was you know helping the poor. Yeah. And that's where to me I, I think you know. Every single business owner has an obligation to learn how to, de- number one, deliver value at a very high level. Yeah. But number two, be so bloody well, good at it commercially that it throws off so much additional money that it creates more than they know what to do with. And what they do with that excess is they throw it into things that can actually, you know, better the world and better humanity. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it is all the energy exchange. It is. It's energy exchange. That's yeah. what it is because the money coming in, that's energy. Yeah. And you're given knowledge, that's energy. Yeah. You know, so like you're just exchanging. So, look, as we start to wind it up here, uh, look, I, I deeply appreciate this conversation because, you know, I, I wasn't sure where this conversation was going, but I'm really happy with, with, with where it has. But I'm, I'm curious to know, and I'll speak to you individually about this because actually before we, we, we start to wrap, Georgia, I, I want to touch on you. Like, how has this experience affected you from the outside looking in? I guess similar to what I said before, um, really understanding like what really matters now as well. So like you know, the petty stuff, a little bit of hurt um, isn't going to, you know, change my day. Um, seeing Aaron's, seeing what Aaron went through and not just like you can sit here and you can talk about it and then people can also assume what he did, what he went through and what, you know, how he changed and, and how he prospered and, and became who he is today from a year ago or a year and a half ago. Um, I guess w- I saw it every single day and I saw the goods, I saw the bads, I saw the growth, I saw him being really, really, um, I guess, uh, what am I trying to say? Like inspiring to be around. Yeah, right. Um, and I put a lot of that into my life now. Like my, my partner's gone through a few things with endometriosis. We struggled to have a kid, had to go through IVF and a lot of those things. And every time where I was like, you know, this is this is hard or this is too hard or this might not happen. I remembered, you know, like Aaron, is he, you know, treading water or is he swimming to the other side? And I was like, fuck, if I sit here and complain right now, I'm probably not going to um, get to the other side. But then at the same time, I'm sat in, in my herd a little bit and I said, okay, well, today we didn't get the outcome that we wanted, but tomorrow we continue moving on, you know? And so I'd, I'd sit in it for the day and then move on. Because it's amazing how mortality, it doesn't have to be our mortality. It can be just the experience of someone else's mortality that can affect us. You know, and it's interesting how we look, you know, when you experience something that you have, how you look at a bad day relative Mm -hmm. to what a real bad day could really be. Um, But one of the things that, you know, I'd like to perhaps leave as a a little bit of a legacy here um, from the both of you, but Aaron, I'll focus on you with this one, mate. 
I think the biggest challenge for most people is they're not prepared for grief when it happens. They're not prepared for trauma when it happens. Yeah. Um, you spent your whole life preparing for this. Not everyone has that liberty or, or that opportunity. But what I'd be curious to know, you know, if you applied, if you turn turn the light on and apply a little bit of conscious to the process of developing resilience and developing grit and becoming strong, what would be some practical advice that you'd give people listening to this that would be either help them get through the grief that they're going or perhaps just build them up to have a level of conditioning so that whatever they experience isn't going to be as hard hit? I'm going to say one thing. I'm just going to say habits. Yep. Okay, just enforce habits. Get a habit that's a positive one and never let it go. And the more physical and the more pain that's involved, the better. That's it. <laughs> just get a habit. Yeah. You know, like my habit is like you brush your teeth, you, yeah. you know, like it's a habit. You do it every day, you know, and you don't let go of that and value that habit. And then when shit comes along, you stick to your habit. You stick to what you know to make you feel better. Your autopilot. That's probably the, if you're asking for one, yeah. there's probably a few, but that's one just popped into my head. That's beautiful. An another one Aaron used to say was, when I when something would happen, I'd be like, "Bro, this is I'm going through this. You know, I'm hurting in in this way." Um, and he's and he'd go, "You know, you're praying, you're doing this, you're doing that." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm praying for this outcome." He goes, "Don't pray for the outcome, pray for strength." So everything he he would think about was like, "Okay, think of how you're going to gain strength to overcome this." And then, and then I'd be like, "Bro, what happens if this happens in the future?" He goes, "We're strong, bro. We'll be right. You know, as long as we've got strength, we'll be sweet." Profound. Boys, this has actually been one of my most uh, enjoyable podcasts to date. And my feeling is that this is probably going to be one of our most popular ones once it comes cool. out. So, Giorgio, mate, thank you so much for co-piloting on this one. Thanks we'll for having us. We'll have to get you back so that we can find out a little bit more about your backstory as well. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there's one in there. Uh, and Aaron, mate, you are, um, you're a fighter, mate. You're a very strong man. And yeah, you've inspired me in an awful, an incredible amount in this, Cheers, uh, in this very short period of time. So, boys, thank you so much. Real pleasure. Real honest pleasure. Thanks, boys. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Giorgio B and, <laughs> and Aaron McAllister. This one's for you, Yasmin. Cheers. Thank you. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And do me a favor. Don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think. I love reading what you guys have to say. And your reviews make sure we keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with me and all my movements, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com. And also check us out on social media at Kerwin Ray.